Well, today we kick off a brand new series, our vision end of the year series called Grace Form. And like I said, we introduced this at our vision night on Friday night. And if you want to uh, review or see that, if you missed it, you can join me online tomorrow night at 7.30. Go to connectthischurch.org. You'll find the link there. You just click it and you'll find it. But grace form is a word that I made up. I just made it up, which is okay because the Apostle Paul makes up words in the New Testament all the time to help us to try to realize that what Jesus did for us is incredible and it transforms and changes everything. And Paul's making up words. And so I made up this word, grace form, from Romans chapter 2, verse 4, where Paul writes this, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads to transformation. It's God's kindness that draws you in and God's kindness that transforms you on the way out. And I've seen this play out over and over again in people's lives, many of your lives, and we shared Sandra's story, certainly in her life, and over the last year and a half, specifically with Connect Us Church, I've just seen it over and over again of God doing this, of God transforming people's lives, your life, by his kindness. And it's an incredible thing to be a part of. And so today, as we start this series, we are going to look at how the writer of Romans 2, verse 4 Uh, Paul, how he became a Christian, and how God's kindness drew him in, and how God's kindness led to a transformed life. And there's kindness of some other people that showed up in Paul's life in very important moments that led to some further growth and transformation as well. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn with me. I'm going to read the scripture first. And uh, in honor of reading God's word, we don't do this all the time, but today I thought it would be appropriate to do. Would you stand up with me for the reading of God's word? And I know it takes a second to put your recliners down, but no shame, no shame. This is the word of God, the account, the historical account of the Saul's conversion to Christianity. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's what they used to call the the Christians. He found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
And the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. And Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. And now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street and to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He was praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and afterward he ate some food and regained his strength. That's the story of Saul's conversion to Christianity. You may be seated. Saul was a Jewish religious leader. He was a Pharisee, which meant he was almost as perfect as any human being could ever be. He did, his entire job was to follow all of God's rules. And he thought that by doing all of that, he was going to be right with God. And he even tried to defend his faith so hard that he put to death those people that were trying to introduce other ways of following God, like following Jesus, in, you know, he put those people to death or put them into prison. And Saul was there. He was so, you know, involved in this stopping the Christians that he was there when one of the first Christian church leaders named Stephen was stoned and put to death, the capital punishment for following Jesus. And so Paul got it all legally worked out, and he's walking, he's on a mission to Damascus to do what he was going to do, right? Put all these people in jail, stop this movement, and who shows up to him? Jesus speaks to him, and Jesus says something. He says, why do you persecute me? Now think about that question for a second, because there's many things Jesus could have asked him in that moment, like, why did you kill Stephen? Or, why are you arresting people? He didn't ask those questions. Jesus asked, why are you persecuting me? 
Jesus was telling Saul, you are doing something directly against God. And you claim to be following this God. You claim to be protecting and defending this God. And you're doing this directly against me. That is certainly a wake-up call, don't you think? Have you ever... Have you ever been doing something that you thought was the right thing to do, but then you learned it's actually the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing in any aspect of your life, right? It's, that's a crazy place to be. And that hits hard, and it certainly had to hit hard for Saul to hear that. And the others that were with Saul, they heard it, but they didn't see Jesus. And so here's what we did see. We saw that Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was, what's the word? Blind. And so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind three days and did not eat or drink. So remember how we've said in this grace form vision that it is God's kindness that leads to transformation. And here we see God's kindness showing up in Saul's life. God's kindness steps into this situation that was not right, and he shows up in a strong way. And that's what's different about kindness. That's the the difficult side about kindness, because if we're just talking about niceness, when nice shows up in Saul's life, that looks like holding the door open for him when he's entering a building. Or it looks like, can I offer you a drink? That's nice. Kindness is different and eventually gets all up in your business and steps into and onto some hard things in someone's life because you really care about them, because you really love them. You can't let them continue to do something that is harmful to themselves, and to other people. And so as a result of this kindness encounter with Jesus, Saul is blinded. His life is altered. He's entered into that dark chrysalis phase, as we talked about on Friday night. And we'd also talked about, remember how that butter, or the caterpillar, right? It's got to go through that chrysalis dark phase to get to the butterfly, the beautiful transformation that God wants to do in all of our lives. That's what God's doing in our life. He's transforming us into this beautiful butterfly, but it has to go through this dark, lonely, difficult, chrysalis phase. And so God is certainly at work in Saul's life, right? He's blinded. He's met right in the middle of something that he wanted to do. But he's also, God is also at work in somebody else's life in this story. And that man's name is Ananias. And this is what the Lord told him. He said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And how cool is this for Ananias, right? Out of all the people in the town of Damascus that day, God looks at everybody and says, I want you 
to go talk to Saul. <laughs> That's pretty cool, right? Out of all the people there, God's like, I want you. Ananias says, Lord, I've, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. He says, oh yeah? <laughs> you want me to do what? You want me to help him? He's killing people like me. He's going to put me in jail. I don't think so, right? God is in the middle of grace-forming Saul's life. And now he's in the middle of grace-forming Ananias' life, too. It's how we come to faith in Jesus, and it's how we grow in our faith in Jesus. It's God's kindness that leads us to faith in Jesus, and it's God's kindness that leads us to grow in our faith in Jesus. And so let's apply this directly to our church today. Ready? You ready? God told us to start a new church, all right? Because there's people all over the place in the apartments over there, down the road, in our neighborhood, on Prince Street, on Orange Street, on Fruitville Pike, on Lidditz Pike, on Oregon Pike. All these people are praying. They're seeking God. And God is at work in their life, and he has shown up already in their life in incredible ways. And guess what? They've had a vision of you a church that would welcome them, a church that would receive them and help them and love them and care for them. But this church, us, we might think to ourselves, I've heard a lot about those people and what they've done and what they are doing. I'm not sure we really want to serve them and love them and welcome them into our church and into our lives. I mean, don't you know? Like, they aren't the greatest people. And so we can fill in the blanks with all sorts of things, right? Things like, those people believe differently about some things than we do. Those people vote differently than we do, and I could never associate myself with those people. Those people are dealing with all kinds of hard situations. They're experiencing homelessness, drug addiction, porn addiction. People have been in prison, people who have had abortions, people who are addicted to gambling, people who view sexuality very different than we do people who are trying to influence our kids in all the strange, bad ways, people who are taking advantage of other people, and those people are just mean. They're so negative. They're always complaining about everything, and whatever anybody does is never good enough. 
I'm not sure we want those people at our church. I'm not sure we want those people in our life. And what's worse, what's worse is we might think to ourselves, if I go to them or if I welcome them into church, then those people who do that stuff to them are going to come here and do that to who? To me. <laughs> like if they're mean and angry to all them people, then they're going to be mean and angry to me. And some of those people have already done that to me. <laughs> like this isn't theory, this is fact. And I don't associate myself with them anymore because of what they've done to me. They've hurt me in bad ways, soul-crushing ways. They've said things about me that I've tried to forget. They've stolen money from me, or they've taken away my sense of safety and security. And we think to ourselves, if I go to them, it will be bad for me. And don't you think that's exactly how Ananias felt? He said, Lord, <laughs> I have heard the many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name, mainly me. So don't miss what happens next because it's the key to grace form. It's the key to being a Jesus follower. It's the key to living out this vision for our church because if we're honest with ourselves, any organization, any group of people, they are always nervous about those people out there in any sense of the word, right? They're just nervous about them, right? How do, how do we interact with them? What do we do about them? Do we just avoid them? Do we label them and leave them be? Or is there another option? Do you allow Jesus to speak into those moments, into those dark moments, into those blind moments, into that moment where we recognize God's kindness has brought us here, and it's God's kindness that is going to lead us out. Do we let God lead us in those moments? Do we let God speak to us in those moments? Are we open to his voice? Are we open to his heart? And so what happens next? God steps in, right? And the Lord, what did he do? What's that word in yellow? Said. The Lord said. The Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He says, go. Trust me. 
Yes, everything you think about this guy is true. But I am at work in his life. And he is my chosen instrument. What if we looked at everyone in our life like this? That they were God's chosen instrument. That God loves them. That God chose them. And he's asking you, he's asking me to go and help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. And so, Ananias went to the house and entered it. (laughs) Such an easy phrase to write in English. Can you imagine doing this? Ananias walking into Saul's, the house where Saul is, literally walking into somebody's house who wants to arrest you and maybe kill you. That, my friends, takes faith. (laughs) Like, not fake faith, like I'm praying to God faith. This is, I'm literally walking into someone's presence that wants to do some terrible things to me. It's the kind of faith that transforms people's lives, and it's the kind of faith that transforms your own life. When was the last time you were scared entering somebody's house? Have you ever? Look what happens next. Ananias placed his hands on Saul. Again, simple to read, but think about Saul wanted to put his hands on Ananias in all the bad ways, right? And here, Ananias puts his hands of love, of connection on this man. When was the last time you were close enough to someone that you were literally touching them and you weren't sure how they were going to respond? Have you ever had that experience? Look what he says next. He said, Brother Saul. Not enemy Saul. Not murderer Saul. Not persecutor of Jesus Saul. Brother Saul. What Labels do you use to categorize the people in your life? And he goes on, he says, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord has been working in your neighbor's life, and he has sent you there so that they may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is why you're here. That is your purpose. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained 
his strength. As we think about this grace form vision and the souls in our life that God is calling us to reach out to and visit and welcome in, it is going to scare us. And if it doesn't scare you, <laughs> you've got some learning to do about the depth of human evil and sin. And everything inside of us is going to push away and just find our happy place with the people just like us who we feel comfortable with. And in a sense, we are blind to everyone who needs Jesus. But what Ananias realized, and what we should realize too, is that Saul was just as blind as he was. Saul was just as blind as Ananias was. Ananias was blind to why he should help Saul out. And Saul was literally blind to how this was all going to work out. And so I'm telling you, embrace the blind moments. Embrace the blind moments. Don't run from them. Because when we connect with people different than us, we won't know how it's all going to work out. We, when we have tough conversations with people out of love and care and kindness, we won't know how those conversations will work out. We will hope for the best, but we just won't, we won't know. And as we do this, we must realize that those people we're talking to, those people that we're loving, those people that we're interacting with, they can't see it either. So maybe it starts very badly, you know? You have that first conversation and it's just like, wow, that was bad. And maybe there doesn't seem to be any hope or any way forward. But we have to realize that they are blind too. And if we do that, I think we'll have more patience to trust God's transforming work in their life over time. His grace-forming work in their life over time. And hey, it would be great if those blind moments, those hard conversations, the difficult chrysalis phases, they only happened once and then you were done with it, right? They keep happening in different seasons, in different stages, and the same thing happened for Saul, too. He had this amazing encounter with Ananias, and Ananias walks through all those barriers, and it's a beautiful thing. Saul leaves that place, and he's preaching about Jesus, but he continues to face and experience what it's like for Christians to exclude him and not believe him. And he even finds himself almost killed and escaping in a basket down the wall of the city. And then we meet another guy who pushes through the dark, blind moments. His name is Barnabas. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him 
and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Say, let God, like Barnabas, let God speak to you about people. And may we listen to what God has to say and welcome those people in. Authentic connection is hard. It's scary. It's difficult. And we have no clue how it's going to work out. But that is what leads to true transformation. And I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on that. I don't want any of us to miss out on that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you love us. And Lord, I pray that as you are calling us to some hard things that we would just know and believe that you are calling us to this, that you are at work in people's lives, that you are transforming people's lives, and you are looking around this city of Lancaster, looking for people, looking for churches that would say, hey, you go. I got somebody over there that's praying for me, with, to me, and I need you to go welcome them. I need you to go care for them. I need you to go love them. I need you to go to them. And I pray that our church, that we, that you and me, would be the people that say, yes, God, I'm going to go. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to go because I believe, God, you have called me to this. And I believe, I've seen it happen in the past, and I believe it in this moment, that you do your greatest transforming work in these dark moments. And so, Lord, as we walk in obedience to you, as we walk into these spaces and connect with these people, Lord, I believe, and I call us all to believe today that you are going to do incredible transformational work, real change of people's lives, and you're going to continue to do that. So, Lord, help us to be obedient to you and follow your call and love like you call us to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kevin.